Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Startup of the Year podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-founder and co-CEO of Established and the co-founder of Established Ventures, the team behind the Startup of the Year community and this very podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'm super excited to have you here along with our amazing guest. We've got Marlon Nichols today. He's going to be talking with Jen Consalvo, our co-founder and co-CEO of Established. Uh, they're going to be talking about uh, venture and, and everything he's been up to over at Mac Venture Capital, which is based out of LA, if you're not familiar. They've invested in a number of companies, uh, companies like Gimlet Media, MongoDB, and a number of others, uh, including our 2020 Startup of the Year, Solo Fund. So uh, we're excited to be investors alongside him in that, in that uh, actual funding. And uh, for those unfamiliar with, with Marlon, he's the uh, former Kaufman Fellow. He's a in, former in investment director at Intel Capital. He has an extensive background in technology, private equity, media, and entertainment. He's on the board of a number of companies, including the Kaufman Fellows Program, which educates uh, new fund managers and uh, how to be better VCs. And then he's also won a ton of awards. Uh, I can't even list them all. There's a long, long list here. Um, he also teaches uh, entrepreneurship and venture capital at Cornell University and was most recently featured in a full spread article on the front page of the business section in the LA Times. If you still get the paper, it was quite uh, quite an article and probably could check it out online as well. So pretty cool stuff going on here with Marlon Nichols and excited to jump into that interview shortly. Uh, before we do, though, I want to give some some kind of housekeeping notes uh, for those of you following along the Startup of the Year community and our words and program. Uh, we've got our 2021 Startup of the Year application open. If you're a startup and you've raised less than $5 million to date and have a functional prototype or, you know, just beyond something, but obviously beyond an idea, you got to have something you can see or uh, in that trajectory, then you might want to apply immediately. Looking for the most interesting companies from all around the country to represent in our annual awards, as well as uh, be crowned potentially startup of the year. So to apply, just go to SOTY.link forward slash apply. Again, it's SOTY.link forward slash apply. The top 100 startups from our, our community this year will you know become a part of this, uh, this summit's happening in the uh, later in the year, and it also will be opportunities to connect, showcase, and potentially get investment from investors that will be involved. Um, we're excited about the program, and we've been doing it now for nine years, if you can imagine. So great stuff. We've got a great group of alumni as well, and we'll all be getting together here soon. So definitely want to do that. Go to SOTY.link forward slash apply. All right. We also have some other deadlines coming up uh, for other programs we work with. Uh, the DOD SBIR STTR 2021.2 deadline is coming up in June here, June 17th. The Greater Colorado Pitch Series application, which is coming up as well, for they've got a deadline on June 18th. And the SBA Growth Accelerator and the SBIR Catalyst Prizes have a deadline of July 2nd. So we're going to link all that up in the show notes so I don't have to rattle off a bunch of links. Definitely check that out if any of those sound interesting. It's all things that will help, you know, they're all startup opportunities. If you've got a company and you want to, you're looking for additional opportunities to get exposure, potentially get capital um, or ad- ad- additional infusions, or just get notoriety, check these out. You'll definitely want to. All right, next, I wanted to follow up with something that's been happening in our community. We love kind of the best, finding the best tools for 
for our community, and we just found another one. Okay, so did you know that thousands of tech founders across the country are getting billions of dollars back from Uncle Sam every year for working on their startups? Yes, you heard that right. There are thousands of tech founders across the country getting billions of dollars back from Uncle Sam. There's a, the research and development tax credit is available for any tech startup that is developing products or technology, and you don't have to be profitable yet to qualify. So our friends over at Tax Taker are making it easy for founders to get that savings they're due with, by just leveraging their technology and their team of experts. It's free to sign up, and all you have to do is go to taxtaker.com forward slash S-O-T-Y. That's right, taxtaker.com forward slash S-O-T-Y, and you'll be able to check out and, and file and, and see if you can get some money back. Otherwise, you're just literally just leaving ta- uh, money on the table. They're over there to help you, taxtaker.com forward slash S-O-T-Y. I mean, it's amazing. I didn't even know that existed. So I'm learning things here on the podcast today. Now that we're here, I've got one more partner update. Uh, may have mentioned it before. You may have heard it before. I'm a big fan of the company Finmark that came through our 2020 program. Uh, they are a fin- financial planning software for startups with revenue forecasting, cash projections, and runway. Super critical for anybody that's starting up. Those are, you know, there's a few products out there that that uh, you know that do this. One of which is spreadsheets, and uh, you can definitely make mistakes doing things in spreadsheets. So I would check out Finmark. You go to est.us/finmark. And you'll get a 30-day free trial on us. So get your financial planning in, in order and modeling in order and uh, start today because you don't want to make a mistake in a spreadsheet that costs you millions of dollars. All right. Now, let's listen in with, to our AMA with Marlon Nichols from Mac Venture Capital. Let's get started by hearing a little bit about your journey. First of all, like, you know, where you're from uh, how you wound up in Southern California and a bit along the way about how you got into VC. Sure. Um, so I, I was born out of the country, actually. I'm an immigrant. Um, so I was born in, in Jamaica, West Indies. I moved to so my family moved to the U.S. when I was about seven um, to New York. And so I grew up partially in New York and partially in Jamaica. I would spend basically every summer um, on the island with my, uh, grand, with my grandmother. Um, until I was about 15 and got, you know, real serious into sports. And then the summers were filled with camps and things like that. Um, I studied um, MIS at at Northeastern University. And that was kind of where I I first got into tech and uh, and kind of the startup startup world. Um, Right after graduating, I joined a a seed stage um, enterprise software company called Frictionless Commerce. Uh, and within a year was asked to move to the UK to basically build and, and grow that company um, to serve the, the UK and Europe. So I spent three years doing that. Um, ultimately, that company was acquired by SAP. And I decided that I didn't want to be an operator, and nor did I want to work at a really large company. Um, so, I, so I left and went back to the US, uh, moved to Harlem, New York, and got into strategy and, um, and technology consulting. And um, initially, my, I was working with the Blackstone Group and kind of post m and integration work. And then that turned into pure, pure play strategy um, consulting role focused on media and entertainment. Um, so working with companies like Warner Music, um, McGraw-Hill, and um, the, the gig was basically to help them to understand um, how to embrace and, and make the best use of the internet, which was um, you know, becoming ubiquitous. Uh, then I went back to business school. I uh, decided that, yeah, consulting was different than operating, but maybe too different. And I wanted something in the middle, um, which for me was venture capital. 
So I went back to business school at Cornell um, <clears throat> and I had the, the privilege of leading the school's uh, pre-seed venture fund for the two years that I was there as its CEO. Um, after graduating, joined Intel Capital, which at the time was the largest and most active venture firm in the world. Um, we deployed up to 500 million per year into Series A, Series B companies. Um, following that, um, I, I started my first fund, which is called Cross Culture. Um, that's about five-year-old vehicle now, very, very well-performing vehicle. Um, and uh, and now um, we're on to our second fund. We did a, a slight rebrand, and it's called Mac Venture Capital. And we're at the C-State Venture Fund um, with presence in LA and the Bay Area. So when you say seed stage, can you tell folks like typically uh, what size checks you're writing at what point? Yeah, uh, so seed for us means that you you have a viable product, you built it, um, and you're starting to get some feedback from the marketplace. So you're probably not in in, in most cases you're not all the way live um, with with your launch, but you're you, maybe you're in beta. Or maybe you have some um, beta customers if, if you're um, focused on the enterprise side and you know there's some data that we can look at um, to start to you know to see um, trend lines and, and things like that so that's kind of how we define seed and and there's a you know there's a range within there um, and you know different levers uh, you can pull different levers to get to it yes <laughs> um, but, but generally that's where we are um, and our initial check size is up to 1.5 million and we're targeting it's basically 10% ownership um, at our first investment. All right. So our first question from the audience is, what would be your advice to a fintech business that is trying to secure a seed investment from BC? We're at the MVP stage. Um, you're at the MVP stage. So that these questions are always hard to answer, right? Because I don't know enough about your, your business to, to truly be helpful. Um, I could tell you for, for us, what, what we look for is, um, you know, who is, who is using the product? Uh, and I don't even know what kind of fintech product it is, right. but like who's using it? Uh, how often are they, are they using it? Um, if you are generating revenue already, um, what does that look like? How's it growing uh, month over month? Um, typically, we like to see at least a quarter's worth of data, um, maybe two quarters worth. And you want to see things going up into the right in a consistent fashion. Um, and up and that thing that's going up into the right is, you know, the thing that's most important to the success of your business or measuring the success of your business. So it could be revenue. It could be, um, um, you know, member acquisition. It could be dollars spent on the platform. It could be a, a number of things. Right. And that's a really important point, too, especially if you're at the MVP stage, right? It's understanding the metrics that really drive your business because it's really easy to get caught up sometimes, right? With the wrong metrics, if they're numbers that, that make you feel good. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely what is important to the success of this business. Um, how am I measuring that? And, um, and can I show, you know, um, a growing trend as it relates to that metric? Okay, so someone just asked us, Marissa, what about considering seed stage enterprise SaaS companies pre-revenue? Yeah, um, we we don't necessarily need need it to be generating revenue. Um, if it's enterprise SaaS, um, you know what we're what we're looking for there is um, you know who's who's buying who's buying into it, right? So what is your 
what does your customer waitlist look like? Um, you know, do you have pilots that um, pilot customers that are working with you? What are they saying about your product and likelihood of um, becoming a paid customer? Uh, there are a number of things. Um, you know, one of the more successful com companies in our current portfolio is a company named Pipe, which is all enterprise SaaS, and we invested um, pre-launch. Actually, they had they had the product. Um, they had a massive uh, wait list and a value proposition that just resonates with um, with SaaS-based companies. And so, you know, we, we we took that, spoke to some of their customers, and we had a pre-existing relationship with the founders, and um, and made the bet to go forward. And that's that's panning out really well for us. That that's interesting. So, when it comes to a, a investing in a company that's pre-launch. Do you, is it usually because you've, there's something about the founders, you, you have a pre-existing relationship or they've got the experience and know-how, or is it, it just depends on the unique situation because, you know, that's, that's something we often advise people, you know, just get something out there and launch it. You're probably not going to get an investment before you have something to show for yourself. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of all of the above, right? And so in, in this, in this um, case, it was like all the, stars and moon and planets, everything aligned, right? I had worked with the founders before in another company, which they, um, you know, uh, sold and uh, we, we maintained a relationship. So I knew them well. Uh, the problem that they were solving was a really big one uh, that resonated with the, in a significant way with the, um, uh, with their target customer base. Uh, and then they had a massive wait list of folks that were just clamoring to use the product Right and and were willing to speak to us about why they um they were you know they found it so compelling, uh, and then the, the product itself was really slick. Um, it was built. Uh, it was you know pretty much pretty um, well baked um, by the time that, that that we invested. They just needed to um, turn it on. Right. So I I very often see people send me decks of an idea. Right. Like, this is what I want to do. I'm a first time entrepreneur. It's, you know, this concept's amazing. Should I start sending it over to investors? What do you, what do you tell folks when you hear that? So that's usually not a seed stage investor. Right. Um, just going back to the definition that I, um, I shared earlier. You know, if you have if you have an idea, um, I would say build something. Right. Put, get something going and, and then raise a friends and family angel invest around um, where their requirements are going to be less, right? Um, to basically to give you some uh, capital so that you can you can get started. But even even then, I you know I would be if I were in in that entrepreneur shoes, I, I'd be reluctant to um, you know start to ask uh, for capital before I actually have started to put something together because everyone has ideas, right? It's it's about um, how you execute. Mm -hmm. So another question that just came in, is it true that it's best to have a co-founder to raise capital? Not necessarily. Um, it, you know, you should have a, by the time you get to our stage, you should have a team. Um, but I don't know that um, having a co-founder is, is, is necessary, right? It's, it's about um, who is building this thing? Um, why are they uniquely qualified to, um, to go after this opportunity? And um, are they able to convince others, other really talented people to come along um, on this journey? Uh, that's that's kind of what we're looking for in, in, in the team. Mm -hmm. um, another question has just come in. 
Does the term sheet come before the diligence? Um, yeah, usually no. Um, you, you're before you put down a, a, a term sheet, which you know what is a term sheet, right? It is basically um, the blueprint of what this deal um, might look like, right? And so before we can, you know, the, first of all, we have to decide, like, do we want to do this deal? And um, you can't do that without doing some level of diligence. Uh, now, after the term sheet, there's another um, type of diligence, legal diligence that, that has to, to occur. Maybe, um, you know, IP, um, IP diligence, things like that, that's, that, that are more um, technical and, and legal in nature, that would, that would happen. Um, but yeah, like, you know, understanding the market, understanding the com competitive landscape, speaking to customers, you have to do all that stuff and make sure that you have real conviction um, for the opportunity before you um, put down a term sheet. Because while it's not binding, it's essentially a signal that, yeah, if, if legal diligence checks out, we're moving forward on these terms. Right. And uh, we had an AMA earlier with Mark Nogger from Greater Colorado Venture Fund. And I know they were having a conversation about it's also important uh, to be doing your homework, too, with the investor. Right. Like these, this is a relationship. This is your your investors are now sort of ex an extension of your team. And you need to, uh, you know, you need to like your investors. You need to believe in them. And it's it's not just a one way street. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's about um, really you're building a relationship, right? Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at an entrepreneur and their team to figure out, um, you know, one, do I do I believe in the market opportunity in front of them? Do I believe in, in um, the viability of their product um, long long term? And do I do I believe that they are the team that can pull this off? And then you know, kind of fourth and it's not in that order of importance, but do I, is, is this a group that I will enjoy spending time with over the next five to 10 years? Um, can we, can we work well together? Um, do I trust them? Yep. All important things. Another question coming in, what should startups think about before contacting a VC? What kind of question impresses you? <laughs> Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say a question per se or a specific question per se would, would impress me. Um, I just, I like authenticity. Um, you know, so when, uh, when, when we connect, just be transparent, right? Um, what the things that inspire me are, <clears throat> you know, either ideas that are um, kind of market creators or, um, I, you know, or businesses that, are solving for challenges that haven't been addressed or have um, haven't been addressed adequately over the over the years, right? Where um, you have a real opportunity to become a category leader. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not looking for you to ask me, um, you know, an amazing question and that's going to like seal, seal the deal. It's more about um, I want to understand your your business, what it's about, and and who you are. And, you know, and make a determination as to whether this is exciting, this opportunity is exciting enough um, for me to want to spend a significant amount of time on it. And, you know, do I like you as a person and as a founder um, enough where I want to spend time with you? Yeah. All right, boy, the questions are rolling in. 
Uh, question from Ashley. If I have received seed money in exchange for a portion of my company, will that deter VCs from investing later? What is the max I should give for the initial fundraising, like friends and family round, so I don't deter future investors? Hmm. Um, hard one to hard one to answer. I, I mean, after the seed stage, you want to have, you know, in terms of the the, the founders, um, you want to have anywhere between, let's say, ideally forty five to fifty percent of your of your company um, that you still own, and that's after the seed. And, and usually at seed, you're parting ways with about twenty percent um, ownership of the of the company. So I, I would I'd look at it um, that way. You know, Series A, you're going to part with another thirty percent of your of your company, um, and then you know I think from there on, assuming valuations um, go up, it's it's less and less. You know, it starts to get less. But you know, by the time I'd say by the time you have an, uh, a liquidity event, you know, if as a founder you have um, or founding team, you have about 10% of the, of the company at that point, then um, you've done the job, 10 to 15%, you've done it. So, uh, so another question, I wanna make sure I understand this question. How do you look for a new startup without traction? So maybe they mean, how do you look at a startup that might not have traction yet? Yeah, so I, I mean, our, that, those are more difficult for us, right? Um, we, we like to have some data that we can point to that uh, confirms our, our opinion of the, um, um, of the opportunity. Uh, but, you know, there's all, there are always exceptions. Um, and so, you know, one idea is that if you're, you're building um, for a challenge or, or a problem that we're very, very familiar with and, um, <clears throat> and see as something that you know, is, is needed in the world and, and, um, and can become, you know, a new category that's, that's, that's lasting. Um, something like that could be, could be interesting. Um, but, you know, you, you'd still have to have a product um, at, at that point. Um, and we'd have to really, really believe um, in the opportunity and in this thing that you've started to build. But that's um, that's rare for us um, to have no traction. Like no revenue is one thing, but no traction is is a little bit different. All right. So how do you research? This is uh, basically advice for startups on how do you research and target a VC that has passion, skills, focus for either your target industry or type of software. So like medtech SaaS. So basically, how do you do your research, your homework, and find the right VCs? that would be interested in your business? I mean, just like you'd search for anything else, right? Um, <laughs> to a Google search, you just put in my name, you'll see things that I've talked about, things that I've written, et cetera. Um, I would visit their their website and uh, see the types of companies that, that they've invested in. Um, maybe they have, cat we have categories um, that we um, slot our portfolio companies into. Uh, that's another way to, um, to, to do it. Um, but yeah, I think, um, and then we publish um, reports, these state of technology and culture reports that capture um, a lot of our thinking in terms of what we're looking for um, today. 
It's it's really interesting because I've done that not only for our past uh, company, but for in working with a lot of startups where we were helping them raise capital. And um, there is so much out there. Right? Just an important point, I think, to reiterate for startups is do your homework. You know, VCs have websites. You can look at the, their portfolios. You can look at articles written about them. There's like a gazillion lists now of like, oh, the top VCs in X, Y, and Z or the or seed stage investors. It's not just about what they're interested in, but the level, right? Because you're not going after a, an institutional, um, you know, a, a VC that invests at the C stage if you're at a seed round, you know what I mean? So startups, it's really, really important to do that homework find the right type of investors for your stage and the type of company that you have. So another question coming in from Marissa, Crunchbase Pro, let's see, is that a question? Crunchbase Pro is great to see which investors invest in what and finding out who uh, funded companies in your space. Yes, so that's a tip. Um, Crunchbase Pro, you can look at all kinds of sites out there. Even um, I think if you look at AngelList and others, yeah, start to get them. There's a lot of them. Um, the, the, the only challenge with, with that sometimes is like, we're not always um, up to date. <laughs> our, our, like our record is not always up to date on, on those platforms, right? Because maybe we didn't send in like this quarter's deals or, or whatever. Um, so they're, yeah, they're, they're good. And I definitely um, encourage um, founders to, to visit those. But, you know, um, I, I think you gotta just kind of do general, um, wider research as well. I love this question. Have you ever wanted to invest in a company and your partners did not? Who decides to move forward with an investment? Yeah, that's happened. <laughs> um, we all have you know different perspectives and, um, and things that we like and, and, and don't like. Our, our process is a little bit um, different where we have uh, maybe a little bit more autonomy than some, than some folks. Um, we all participate in the diligence process in, in some way and are, um, you know, kept up to speed in, in terms of what's, um, you know, what's happening with the company, what's the, um, what's the opportunity here, how big, how big is it, you know, all the questions you need to answer about a company. Um, and then we get to the, to the end of the process and we have a conversation. And, um, you know, the, at the end of the day, the, um, the, the lead investor on our team um, you know, we're going to give uh, deference to their decision, having heard everyone's um, everyone's opinion, um, which is you know kind of a lot of pressure on that and accountability on that person, right? Because um, if you know everyone is is you know beating the table and saying we should not do this and you do it anyway, well, you, know, you better be right. <laughs> so, so that um, it, it it forces us to be more diligent. Um, in our decision-making um, process, but also affords us a, a level of um, autonomy uh, that you know, we all seek as, um, you know, as, as seasoned investors. Right. Um, and just a few minutes remaining, but I know we've got some more questions, so we're going to try to get them in. Uh, this is an important one. Does it matter if the startup is an LLC versus a C-Corp when seeking a seed or pre-seed round? Yeah, we um, so venture uh, cannot invest in um, in limited liability um, organizations. It has to be a corporation. Yeah, um, and I can chime in on that. There, there can be exceptions. 
where you can get investment as, as an LLC. It's complicated. Most uh, most VCs will run. Most investors will run from it. So if you're serious, if you see yourself as a company where you're going to raise money, uh, you may seriously want to consider if you're currently an LLC, changing it before you go down that path. Yeah. I mean, there are things like uh, setting up blocker organizations and, and stuff like that. But yes, it is it is complicated. And um, if you're going to take in, if you're planning to take on capital, you should just become a corporation. Great. All right. Advice on how to make the good pitch to investors. What are the top three things that they're looking for while pitching? Five minutes versus 10 minutes pitching? So, so <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, that, that's, that's hard, right? So when I schedule um, meetings with, with founders, they're 30 minutes to 45 minutes. Um, and basically we're having a conversation about the, the business. Um, yeah, you're going to have your talking points, you're going to have your deck, and you're going to talk to your deck, but we're going to ask questions throughout, and we're going to make it super interactive. So there isn't, um, you know, I can't say have your pitch down to five minutes or 10, or 10 minutes or whatever. It's going to depend on the, on the scenario. Um, you know, the things that are important, though, really you want to make sure that um, that investor understands that, this is a venture scale business, right? So um, what is the, the, the market opportunity that you're looking at? How are you, how's what you're building um, novel or, or different from whatever else is, is, in, is in the market? Basically, how will you win and how will you protect your position um, you know, in, in this space? And then why are you uniquely qualified? Like, why are you and your team, the, the team to back um, you know, in the building of this, um, of this company? Those are the things that um, I'm typically um, focused on. And obviously, you know, you have competitive landscape and stuff like that thrown in um, into, into those, um, those first two buckets, essentially. But those are the three things that, um, that I really want to understand. And then, you know, how do you scale this thing, right? What's your plan to, to, to go to market and, and build a really big business? Um, and another question, what does Mac Venture Capital provide companies besides capital how are you connecting your networks with the founding teams yeah so it, this is where we we um we differentiate a lot as a, as a seed fund um so first of all um you know we believe very heavily that how you introduce yourself to the world how you tell your story has an outsized impact on uh, how quickly you, you can scale and how um, large of an organization you ultimately become and so because of the, the marketing and um, uh, kind of talent management backgrounds um, that we have in, within, our, um, within our partnership, we are uniquely qualified to, to um, help companies formulate that story and, you know, and get out the gates fast. Um, that's one thing. Um, also, you know, given our backgrounds and um, you kind of heard my background earlier, um, but enterprise software, um, you know, uh, government, um, one of my uh, partners was a former mayor of Washington, D.C. Um, one of my partners was a Hollywood super agent. Um, my former co-founder was an um, <clears throat> exceptional music manager and, and angel investor. Uh, so those, um, and an operator. And so those, um, you know, career experiences or professional experiences have helped us to build relationships, like deep relationships at the highest levels within media entertainment, uh, professional sports, uh, Fortune 500, you know, kind of the who's who in, in startups over the last 20 years. 
Um, we've worked with them in, in some capacity and government, right? And so, you know, we have a, a number of examples where we've been able to introduce our um, portfolio companies to their first large customers. And then that large customer actually becomes an acquirer, ultimate acquirer of the company. Uh, so that those are the ways that, that, that we help. Thank you so much, Marlon. That was amazing. I hope all of you listeners out there learned something from such a seasoned VC. And for those of you that enjoyed this episode and were able to take something from the conversation, uh, please, you know, don't hesitate to share it. If you think there's other people out there that can learn from this helpful information, do so. Sharing is caring, and we want to continue to spread this message and help as many founders as we can. Speaking of helping founders, before we go, I want to invite you to join us in our community. We have a growing community of startup founders, investors, corporate leaders, uh, all all giving access, you know, giving you access to support, expert advice, and resources that you might need to elevate your startup and keep it going forward. So just go over to est.us forward slash join and join our community. Uh, as a member of the Startup of the Year community, you'll get access to uh, vertical focused boot camps that we're going to be doing on the regular, monthly office hours. Actually, they're weekly. If you want to join uh, weekly office hours, you can. Uh, introductions to investors and corporate uh, corporate partners we, we work with. Um, curated topics of discussion. We're going to do a number of different kind of, of sessions. We just did one this week. Uh, access to government contracts for startups. So there's a lot of opportunity to get uh, government contracts, and we've got a, a pretty good sense of what those are, and we're continuing to share those opportunities with our community. Uh, 24-7, we've got an online uh, community that you can, can engage with other members. Um, we've also got the featured uh, Daily Deal Flow newsletter, which goes out every weekday to a group of investors. So if you're raising capital, that's another opportunity to get in front of investors and get your stuff out there. Uh, get some additional exposure and potentially investment, as well as the opportunity to get uh, potential investment through established ventures as well. So lots of great stuff. If you join the community, love to have you. Just go to est.us forward slash join. All right. Lots, lots of stuff on this episode. Thanks so much for being a part of it and being here with us. And if you have a startup idea or you want to get something going, today is the best day to start up. Not tomorrow, not the next day. Get it going. Iterate continue to move forward, but you got to start by, by, by starting. It's not going to start itself. Until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Thanks again for listening. Remember to subscribe to our show and review it if you can. We really appreciate all the feedback. And everyone out there, stay safe. Be well. It's, it's almost summertime. Start enjoying, enjoy, enjoying it a little more because it goes by quick. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon. 